Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Knob Creek. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, my and Andy's personal favorite aspect of the show, the tastings. And of course, with me as always is my wise and great co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really good this week. Uh, Hell yeah, you we're, are. We're, we're celebrating a big moment in Cincinnati sports history. Mm-hmm. The Reds have finally made it back to the playoffs after seven or so years, something yep. like that. They haven't made it since 2013, and they it was really looking rough there for a while. They made a late, strong push uh, here in September, and because of that, they're going to actually get to play some yeah. in October, too. <laughs> yeah, at least get some. We hope they can make it deep into the playoffs, but who knows? Yeah, you're, so you're saying there's a chance. That's what you're saying. <laughs> there's always a chance. So uh, how's life going for you? I'm going to quickly uh, you know, t- t- catch up with the people, let them know how your week's going. I know everyone out there wants to know. And I'm going to pour us uh, some, some, uh, some of this delicious elixir that is Knob Creek. Of course, for everyone out there, all of our listeners, and of course for the new listeners, we are going to be drinking along the show, all, you know, throughout the show as we do this. I would recommend all of you pour a drink of Knob Creek so you can, you know, can imbibe with us. You don't have to necessarily drink Knob Creek, but of course it is recommended. And then during the, through, you know, we'll be gonna, like I said, we're going to be drinking throughout the show. Later on, there will be a actual, uh, you know, official tasting, tasting of Knob Creek. We'll go through the, yeah. the taste, uh, the, the nose, all of it. Um, so pour yourself a drink and uh, sit Andy, back and relax. Right. And Andy, how have you been doing this week? Uh, you know, doing good. I mean, typical week, of course, still really, really busy for me. Uh, Sitting here having to do a lot of working from home still, staring at the same four walls. Boring. But, you know, it's not been bad. I can't complain about it. I mean, it is what it is at this point. I'm, I don't mind it too much. Just going a bit stir crazy. I get. I totally get that. Cheers, sir. Cheers. Absolutely. Everyone, enjoy. <clears throat> yeah. So how about you? How you been doing? It's been good, man. Been great. A lot of crazy stuff going on out there in the world, obviously, but I'm just hustling. Yeah, you finally got your bed back in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That's big news for you. <laughs> yeah, we're in a new house now, and I've been sleeping on a freaking mattress on the floor, and I'm like a, what is it, like a full-size mattress on the floor, just literally on the floor for the last three weeks in my new house, and finally got a king-size bed, king-size mattress. Oh, it's great. Ready to rock and roll. Last night was my first official time sleeping in it. And it's like sleeping on a cloud, Andy. It's the best sleep I've gotten in years. Felt uh, good. Yeah, it's looks like, good. It's like sleeping in a Vegas hotel room. Just like pull the blinds, get in that big bed, uh, and just pass out. And um, it's been awesome. Uh, just, yeah. Every, you know, I've just also been out there hustling, trying to make some money. At my new, uh, you know, my, I've taken a new career path. Uh, don't want to get uh, too much into that, but just trying to hustle and it's, you know get ready for the show here and. Gonna have a good time. Obviously, excited about the Reds. We, we, nice to have some sports we can yeah, give a shit about. Celebrate something, right? Uh, Bengals are zero two. <laughs> I'm zero two in one of my fantasy football leagues. So sports have been rough. So it's nice to see the the Reds do well. Uh, Joe Burrow is awesome, and I think the pick the pickup of him by the Bengals is exceptional. I know you guys out there listen. Oh, why are they not talking about bourbon yet? Well, Cincinnati is right on the border of Kentucky. We're right about there on the. Yeah, close to all these major distilleries. Right, I'm up, I'm up north a little bit from downtown, but you know I can still be in Kentucky. You know, the, really the heart and the, the you know, heart of bourbon country, really bourbon country mainly is Within right there in Kentucky. Twenty minutes. Get there in twenty minutes. Yeah, something like that. I can get down to uh, the Frankfurt, the Lexington area in ninety minutes if we want. Yeah, ninety minutes, two hours, roughly. That's, yeah, oh, dude, I'm gonna be pedal to the metal. We're gonna get yeah. there. We're gonna get there in under ninety minutes. <laughs> this, yeah, Louisville and there are about two hours from here, so. 
Yeah, so we'll definitely have to hit that hit up, hit that up soon. But it's nice, you know. We're you know Kentucky doesn't have a lot of big sports outside of basketball, and uh, so a lot of uh, people from Kentucky are Bengals and Reds fans. So it, it ties yeah. in somehow. Somehow. Uh, but I'm very happy with Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals are going to get a win this weekend. Uh, finally, go one and two. Uh, not going to be the, their year, but uh, it's exciting to see the it's talent coming from Joe Burrow and the bank. The Reds, man, when they get in the when they make it to the playoffs, they always have a, uh, they always have a fighting shot. They, they yeah, always do. They well. always do. They always put up a fight. Well, except for that year they, they played the Phillies and got swept. But it's nice to have something. You know, it's been tough. People are bored. People have nothing to look forward to. It's nice to have sports yeah. to look forward to. It's nice to have some bourbon podcasts to look forward to. So let's just jump right in for the folks. Andy, tell them everything they need to know about Knob Creek. Yeah, so again, this is – Knob Creek is another new entry on the uh, bourbon scene. Um, Younger brand. Yeah, they're – they're not their own separate brand. They're actually owned by Beam Suntory. Uh, originally, only owned by Jim Beam, but then when they owned with or they merged with Suntory, now Beam Suntory. Yeah. Uh, they were founded alongside three or four different uh, premium market brands for Jim Beam in about '92, early '90s. Um, <clears throat> and those other brands, I think, were. Right around the last time the Reds won the World Series, <laughs> yeah, back in 1990. Ironically enough, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're they're um, they're one of four total that Jim Beam has, like premium small batch brands. Yeah, that's that they kind of, have. Yeah, they're, they're kind of four of those entry, you know, those those uh, four of those brands really targeting that Still high end entry. liquor market. Yeah, there. like high end for a decent price. Right. Yeah, that high um, end, like entry, you know, entry level high end liquor outside of Booker's. Right. Because they have Booker is Knob Creek, and then Booker's, Baker's, and Basil Hayden's. That's some good company to be in. Yeah. Jim Jim yeah, Beam yeah. Jim Beam knows, knows what they they're do, doing. They and, do a good job. And we were talking about this actually right before we were started recording the podcast. It's not one of my favorite, but Jim Beam is a great they're entry resp- level bourbon. Yeah, when you're talking, they're a respectable brand. We're talking base base level base price bourbon. You can't get a heck of a lot It's hard to beat Jim Beam, and uh, they of course have some of these uh, pretty exceptional uh, higher end bourbons. Of course, that and that's a like I said, that's a great family. That's a great group to be in there. Yeah, and they're. I think if I remember correctly, they were one of the brands that really kind of kicked off the premium, like premium but accessible bourbon craze that's been going on in the last few years with these brands introducing them in the last you know quarter century ish. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's really kind of when they were started, and a little bit of history on them. Um, and the roots can be traced you know, yeah. allegedly back to uh, as old as 1898 uh, when National Distillers released the brand name under the uh, under their pin uh, Maryland Corp operations. Yeah. It was a division of National Distillers. Jim Beam actually purchased National National Distillers back in 1987. And then Knob and Creek was, of course, resurrected right after yeah. that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, of course, the big thing for anybody that knows it, allegedly the story goes... Is named after um, a creek that ran through uh, probably one of the most iconic American presidents' childhood homes in Kentucky, Abe Lincoln's family, his family farm. So I mean, if yeah. if that if that story is true, I mean, that's that, makes this so dang American. That's that's America. Yeah, that's America. Fuck yeah, right there. That's American yeah. all the way through. I mean, if he's not the most iconic and, and I, yeah. significant. President, he's the second most. He, I would he's say. what he's one of the I'd, I'd say top five most significant presidents. Oh, absolutely, in history. 
Um, and where so that was I'm assuming somewhere in the Illinois area that that creek ran through. No, I, it was well, it was either in Illinois or in Kentucky. I don't remember exactly where. I don't know the full story. Okay. Um, we, we can look it up and let you know you guys know at some later time, or if anybody knows, you know, feel free to give us a shout out on that. But supposedly that's what this basically the story it was his it it was so it was his it was abraham lincoln's boyhood home knob creek it was actually there in la rue county kentucky in uh hodgenville kentucky so abraham lincoln uh that was his childhood home that's where he grew up but of course he eventually when he was an adult when he was uh kind of running his own life he moved to he was in the illinois area springfield and that was kind of where he had his more adulthood home when he kind of became more famous yeah. and more significant in history and in, in U.S. politics and, and just U.S. culture in general. And so that's why Illinois and Springfield is associated with Abraham Lincoln a lot because when he actually yep. became a major force for the country, he was more established in that uh, area. Illinois area. So he was like in Kentucky when he was younger, Illinois when he was older, more established. True Midwesterner an, an adult. right there. What'd you say? I said a true Midwesterner right there. Hell yeah, he is. Well, technically yeah. Kentucky is the South. But we, as right Ohio, we kind of accept. We kind of consider you, you from Indiana. We're right there. You can basically drive through Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, all in within twenty minutes. Yeah, literally. So it's very easy to for us. You know, they they call it the South. We call it Midwest. Midwest. It's it's whatever. It's the same yeah. thing to all of us. Yeah. So American through and through. Yeah, as, I mean, as American as you can get there. Yeah, Lincoln uh, referred to this as the Knob Creek Place. Some sources actually say Abe's father worked as a seasonal hand at a nearby distillery. Um, so a lot of interesting things, a lot of uh, old history connections there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the, definitely a lot of connections to this brand, at least in name. Yeah. Um, and like I was saying earlier, they're a small batch bourbon to begin with. So it does uh, create some if you will, exclusivity in that, in that they um, have a little bit more selectivity in the end product, like really trying to create as good of a product as they can yeah. instead of just trying to create something and having to blend like 40 different um, maturations and 40 different batches of stuff to try and create like a good one. It's like straight from the get-go, they're saying, we want to make this a little bit exclusive, a little bit premium. Try to make it a little bit just more oomph it's behind the, the punch. There, it's the entryway. It's the it's the um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's the entryway into that premium bourbon market. Yeah, basically, it's a good yeah. It's and it's a it's good the, one. I it's think it's the gateway bourbon. Yeah, I'd say it's <laughs> a decent gateway bourbon for so anybody. It, right. It's obviously owned by uh, uh, Jim Beam there, and then Beam um, Suntory. Uh, where, so it's produced at the Jim Beam facility correct yeah it, yeah it's produced everything's done at jim beam's facilities if i remember correctly where's that located um i think oh god are they claremont it's maybe Cl- i think it's claremont right? i think they're claremont kentucky i have to look that up i don't remember exactly where they are yeah i believe the uh, beam Suntoria, the the, the uh, jim, jim beam the, distillery yeah. there is, is based right there in uh claremont kentucky it's yeah because i know, you know it's it's not it's really just down the road from uh, like Tom, the Tom Moore Distillery. It's not far from. It's not too far from Loretto and Maker's Mark. There, it's not like super yeah. right on. Like right, it isn't. It's not yeah, really it's not right. In. It's yeah, not it's not right on. A lot of other bourbons on the bourbon trail, um, but it's really not far off the beaten path, and it's certainly 
right down one of those main uh, pathways just south of Louisville there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like the smaller hot spot there for bourbons. I got to say I don't you know, I, I like the the Jim Beam setup here. I do like when uh, we talk about bourbons, we talk about the the aesthetics and the location. I like when the, the, you know, they're kind of their own thing and they're not under this yeah. bigger umbrella. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the Jim Beam distillery here. It's basically a giant a big gray farm, black roofs. Uh, right there in the Rolling Hills, you got a couple yeah. other red, white farms. Um, it's not something. It's interesting. The, the 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 campus there. It doesn't jump out at you. It doesn't punch you in the face the way some of these distilleries do, where it's like, wow, this is gorgeous. It's iconic. Uh, it, it, like the, the stone of, of makers, or I should say, of yeah. Woodford, the, the the red shutters of of makers. It's similar to to a lot of these, um, but I think it's also very unique. And I love the fact that it has those quintessential rolling hills, blue skies, right there in the heart of Kentucky. Um, again, though, it doesn't have it. You know, when you look for, you can't really find a Knob Creek, if you will, distillery. You have to go to Jim Beam. Yeah, That's yeah, something that. I'm not crazy about. Um, but it is a, it is mainly it is based good. around that main structure there, that gray barn with that yeah. that Jim that black and red Jim Beam uh, logo on the front there, and a couple other uh, you know uh, red white buildings uh, branching off of it there. But I love it. it really is the quintessential Rolling Hills, uh, you, you know, grassy plains there in yeah. uh, in that Kentucky area. Kind of Kentucky, yeah. I, I do. I love. Kentucky. I do love the look. Just not crazy that they don't have kind of their own setup there. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think it's good though. I mean, I, for some of these premium brands. You know, I think the thing is you see him, at least in my experience, see him as almost a one-off brand, not something that's right. some huge. I mean, there are a few out there that you can kind of say are like huge ones that stand out on their own. But they're all connected in some way to a bigger yeah. one. Well, but and, it's, and it's good. It's it's good that Knob Creek like had that backing. Yeah. Um, that Jim Beam was willing to take out this branch, of course, go out on this branch to create something exclusive when. A lot of bourbon, like well before a lot of bourbons were popular, or at least as popular as they are today. I mean, they were still kind of popular in the 90s, but, you know, really, I mean, the bourbon scene really exploded in like the last seven to 10 years-ish, yeah. something like that. So it's it, it's kind of good to see that they built up a good foundation prior to that and then had that foundation and now it just exploded. Right. Cause I mean, really before I granted I'm, you know, six years legally able to drink. So, you know, haven't really been able to hear of them from that sense too much, but you know, you know, it's good that they had that foundation right, for people to do. And like you said, a lot of companies, they do even like a lot of high premium, uh, uh, hooches, they do have strong, they have connections to, um, or, you know, they are literally underneath an umbrella of a bigger corporation. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And, you know, it, it, it allows them to do exactly what they're best at, the distilling. Yeah. And, and of course, Knob Creek, you have to understand, people have to understand that it is, it has a very strong, uh, intimate connection with Jim Beam. It was distilled, it is, it is distilled under the direction of master distiller Fred No. Fred yeah. is actually the son of Knob Creek founder Booker No, who is the Who's, grandson of Jim Beam. So there's yeah. a lot of connections there that I think, um, you know, really offset some of the, you know, the, yeah. the antipathy I might have towards a brand that's not necessarily as unique as I would prefer. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, like you said, it was started by Booker No. I mean, again, him and Jimmy Russell out of uh, Wild Turkey, like two of the, at least that were, were or are alive within the last 10 years, like the OGs. Yeah. In the bourbon industry. Absolutely. So it, it's good and, that they started these brands now and saw yeah. that vision and created a great product 
so that now we can enjoy it. And Jim Beam, and I would say, I'd say Jim Beam and Wild Turkey, those are the other kind of, I would say Wild Turkey is the other kind of really high quality, but very affordable entry level bourbon that everyone yeah. knows, everyone respects. Definitely. And you, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to knock anyone's socks off. You, you have bourbon snobs who are going to hear those names and they're going to roll their eyes or they're going to, you know, turn their yeah. nose up at it. But might be, it, it might down, be their, da- it might be their daily drinker. So it's right. like, it's but not going to knock their socks of off. Of course. And when it comes they down can't to, say anything bad. Right. And when it comes down to someone who is looking for an affordable everyday starter bourbon, I mean, you can't go wrong with Jim Beam or with, with wild turkey. Mm. Mm. All right. Definitely not. Yeah. And I mean, they were something they were, um, you know, they're another brand, uh, they use Jim Beam's because they're owned by Jim Beam and Beam from Tory. They use Jim Beam standard mash bill, which is 75 corn, 13% rye, and 12% barley. So pretty much as far as I've seen across Jim Beam's entire line, I think they do that mash bill across everybody. Yeah, so they use that mash bill and then they turn it up a little bit. They age it as a nine-year-old bourbon. Um, originally when it started out in the nineties, early two thousands, it was, they put that age statement on the bottles. Um, but then after kind of the bourbon boom started in the late two thousands, early 2010s, they had to remove the age statement on it, even though they still do it at least try to make it a nine year old bourbon at the youngest. Looks like they did. They removed that age statement back in 2016 and they maintained that posture for about four years. Yeah. Three, four years. They claim it was due to limited inventory. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's the big thing probably it's just because 20, I think about 2012 to 2016 was about when the bourbon boom, if I remember kind of when it really hit its peak, like everybody, wanted bourbon at least here at least in our area in cincinnati and everybody i think it's it's pretty universal yeah everybody wanted bourbon and so it was something that they just kind of had to it was like listen we we can't continue to make it a minimum of nine years even though they still continue to claim that they made it a nine-year-old bourbon you know they took that age statement off which now that allows you to play a little bit of room with how young or how old of bourbons you're putting in there yeah. Instead of just minimum a nine-year-old bourbon. Beam actually embraced the move, though. They actually ran ads reading, quote, thanks for nothing. They handed out t-shirts referring to yeah. the drought of 2009 during that, that height of that bourbon boom. E- even some, I think, hard, like empty bottles, too. it was hard too. to lock down some, uh, some quality bourbon. And yeah, they sent journalists empty bottles of Knob Creek, kind of sending a sign there. And at the time, Fred No actually said in an interview that the company had chose had chosen not to solve that shortage so shortage by using younger whiskeys because he didn't want to compromise the product, the quality yeah. of the product. Uh, you know, Which, I have to think that maybe they didn't actually have a shortage. Maybe this was a PR move because we're talking about it right now. It, it works, but maybe they did have a shortage. I really yeah. don't know. Uh, well, well, I mean, shortages, I mean, shortages like that could happen. Because as soon as of you course. put as soon as you put an age statement on there, that's the youngest the whiskey has to be. I mean, if it's a twelve year old whiskey, uh, if you're putting that age statement on it, it's got to be minimum twelve year old barrels. 
Right. Um, but I do know in 2009, so, Beam ran a, a full-fledged yeah. campaign to publicize the shortage of Knob Creek bourbon. So perhaps the shortage was real, but if it was real, they wanted to take advantage of it. They wanted to use it yeah. to try to make them more money. Demand obviously Hype up exceeded. The name. Yeah, yeah. De- yeah, demand obviously exceeded their 2000 yeah. forecast when, this, when uh, the stock began uh, the aging process. Uh, but I think they really have gotten back more to, you know, so maybe it was, a, maybe there was a shortage. Maybe there wasn't. They definitely use it for PR purposes. Yeah, they use it It's to just their good advantage. branding. You can't, you yeah. can't fault them for that. But they have gotten back to that um, where they on their, explicitly on their bottle, you know, state yeah, that now they're back to doing that. year aged uh, whiskey. On the standard bottle, at least. I haven't seen any other, yeah, that other, other bottles. Yeah, that 100 proof bottle, yeah. that main bottle. Yeah, they make, and, and trust me, they make that number nine stand out. It's one of the first, you see yeah, knob, like you see you, Greek, and you see the number nine. Those yeah. are the first, those are the first like things the first you see on these that, bottles. Yeah. Other and for like good the, reason. I mean, nine is a, is a, is nine is a very solid uh, aging number. I mean, it's an exceptional, it's, it's an, an, age, it's, it's it's an exceptional age, age length for this caliber of a bur- yeah. bourbon. You, you can't deny that. And I, I mean, a lot of bourbons would not, just due to Kentucky and American, a lot of American climates would not last that long in a barrel. Like you might not get as much product out of it after that long, just right. due to Angel Share and Devil's Cut and stuff. But yeah, and I think you can really, you can really taste that aging process in there. You can you really can taste, taste the quality. You can really taste the strength as well. You know, this bourbon, a Knob Creek, it's a hundred proof. It's that's significantly higher yeah. than the 80 proof minimum that is required by the U S federal labeling, um, requirements. And that's not just higher than the 80 proof standard. That's also pretty much higher than most of your standard level bourbons in general, where you're clocking yeah. in 90 proof, 95 proof, you know, we've yeah, gone through a number of bourbons already and most of them are in that kind of 90 to 95 range. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a lot higher than most, at least entry ish level bourbons. Right. Um, so they, they are kind of tipping the scales there. I think you can taste that age. You can also taste that, that you can yeah, taste that hundred taste. They really, it's a hard hitter. Yeah. You can taste it for, you can taste it and you can taste it for better and for worse. Like it's very solid for a, for a hundred or for a hundred proof bourbon. It tastes great. But when you compare it to like a Maker's or a Woodford, I don't know that it can, it, even though it's premium, I don't know that it nece- necessarily stacks up, but you're going to lose some of that smoothness, I think, when you have a higher proof alcohol. Yeah, especially if not done right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, y- yeah, and I, I definitely agree with you. You'll lose a little bit of that there. But I, th- I think I think they did a good job. Well, of course. For it. Yeah, it's a, I mean, um, I, mean I don't think we'd be that. drinking in here today if, if they didn't do a good job, but... <laughs> no, of course of course not. Um, but that, that, you know, so that's a little bit of their history, and I think that's that's really made them a good, like, a, a good, notorious bottle on the shelf, obviously, other than their kind of square... <clears throat> shape that you see there it's kind of like a it's kind of has like a rectangular bottle yeah uh, it's got a it's a, got a crooked or twist on cap it's wax sealed it's kind of yeah it's almost going for that maker's look but it's with a little the black bit. wax instead of the, the red the, um it's interesting because it's a it's a twist off but it's also a cork so it's a twisting cork which is very unique you don't get a lot of those yeah like makers if you just get the original makers it's just a twist which i'm not a big fan of i like a yeah. corked bottle when, when when we're dealing with bourbon when we're dealing with scotch yeah. I think it just shows a little more class, a little more exclusivity. Um, so it kind of it kind of walks the line there where it's got both. It's a cork, it's a screw-on, 
Like I said, again, that is another sign that this is very much a gateway bourbon. This is yeah, they want to try and point. enter you this into... This is the entryway point into those high-quality bourbon. bourbons. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I definitely agree with you on that um, as far as all, all of the corking and everything that they want to enter you into that world of good bourbons. Uh, the last thing, I think I go before we go into the brands that I want to talk about at least is they also kind of helped bring about the uh, whole like barrel aging uh, beer <laughs> almost forgot the word there uh, barrel aged beer phenomenon that we're starting to also kind of see in the United States at least now um, they do have one with New Belgium they're uh, Oakspire bourbon or at least uh, used to have one with them they're Oakspire bourbon barrel ale uh, in the typical New Belgium bottle, and then they would uh, age it in old Knob Creek barrels for, I think, six-ish months, maybe? I don't remember. Um, and then also allegedly helped create, as we said in, what was that, uh, Buffalo Trace, maybe? I, I don't remember. A former episode, though. Uh, Goose Island allegedly helped create Goose Island's Bourbon County uh, Stouts line with their... And their pursuit into the whole barrel-aged beer space as well. Because it was allegedly, the story goes again, over a dinner between, I think it was Fred No and... Uh, Is Booker No. Booker No, okay. And, and Greg uh, Hall. Greg Hall, who was, at least at the time... Uh, the, the Goose Island founder. Goose Island. And, and then Brewmaster. And Brew, yeah, Brewmaster. They were um, at a dinner. In the Chicago area. Yeah. And yeah, and they were having dinner in the Chicago area, which is where Goose Island is located out of. And they were talking about maybe, I think, trying to do like combine what if you did like stouts and ales and stuff like that in a bourbon barrel. Right. And so allegedly, that conversation is really what helped spark this now. And you're seeing like the whole, at least the whole craft space, this barrel-aged beer phenomenon that we're right. seeing, too. Yeah, they, they kind of not only did they really help Goose Island and, and launch that Goose Island Bourbon uh, County brand stout that uh, is very popular, they kind of set the bar for companies, for for, brew, for you know, yeah. brewing, for breweries, and for uh, and for you know these uh, craft breweries especially that are doing a lot of these um, these you know they're taking their 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 beer they're brewing them they're storing them in these oak um, caskets that have, that had bourbon in them previously they kind of started yeah. that trend they launched yeah. it it's also interesting Andy to see yet another connection between the state of Illinois and Abraham Lincoln <laughs> exactly. and of course and, and the state Kentucky. of Kentucky yeah, yeah. it's really just one of those more uh, connections that they kind of root themselves with absolutely or have their roots in. So that, I mean, that's definitely good for them. What did you tell? Remind me again. What did you say the mash bill breakdown was? Uh, the mash bill is seventy-five percent corn, which again is maybe on the stronger side of corn because typically uh, most mash bills, at least that I've seen, are about sixty to seventy percent. Okay. Um, pretty much, it's, it's Jim Beam standard mash bill. So it's seventy-five percent corn, thirteen percent rye, twelve percent barley. So it's and that I mean again is a fairly fairly standard mash bill for most bourbons in the industry within a few percentage points that's okay. pretty much the standard mash bill but it, 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 they use jim beams okay so that uh, very very interesting uh you know i it's i, I think you, it's pretty i think you can kind of notice almost that they are a little heavier on the corn yeah 
Because it, it do give some those, sweetness on it. It's kind of one of those ones, what did you say? It punches you in the face a little bit. What, what was it, your comparison it, it, that it, you used it, before it, the show? You called it, you compared it to John Wick. It's a John Wick. Yeah, the jo- uh, yeah like, a little, like a little bit of a... Um, Sneak up on you and it yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and like if you don't watch it, it, like with the flavors and just that being 100 proof, you know, 50% alcohol content by volume, um, there, if you try and disrespect it a little bit, it's almost like it tries to punch you in the face a little bit. Like it will let you know, I'm here. Don't mess with me a little bit, if that makes sense. Right. And of course, that's the, um, you know, we're specifically talking and we've been specifically drinking the um, their standard mm-hmm. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, the age nine years at 100 proof. They started distilling this uh, specific uh, brand, uh, you know, uh, branch of the brand back in 1992. But there's a litany of offerings that they have. Yeah. Yeah. And all pretty much all before I get into the specific lit, um, list of them all, pretty much all of them except their uh, flavored one are all bottled at 100 proof. The only one that isn't, as I said, was their um, was their smoked maple uh, liqueur or flavored bourbon, which is ninety proof. But everything else, you know, their standard nine year old bourbon, their rye whiskey, uh, the twelve year old bourbon, and also like their um, single barrel selects, reserve single barrels, single barrel select rye. Those are a little bit stronger in proofage. Um, okay, and so, are ele- so walk down the list with me here of these different brands because I feel like you're kind of jumping all over the place a little bit. So we got obviously the standard bourbon, the Kentucky, the Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. They're at 100 yeah. proof. What are just I'll go through? I want to know every single one so of the offerings because they have a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, they have a lot. So they have, as you just said, their standard nine year old bourbon, which is 100 proof. Then they also have their rye. And the rye also clocks in at 100 yeah, proof? Yeah, also clocked in at 100 proof. Um, I think, again, another nine-year-old, if I remember correctly okay. on it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I saw it was released back in 2012. It was actually yeah. the first uh, Knob Creek whiskey not to carry an age statement. It's yeah. It's what my research has, uh, has led me to believe. Yeah. Instead, it's be, instead, which I love it. You know, I love a, I love a good rye whiskey, Andy. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be doing Good Mictors. ones are good. Mictors has a great rye. I love a good rye whiskey, and I love the Knob Creek rye especially. And they actually were, like I said, they remove that age statement and instead of explicitly advertising the age statement what they say is they say it's quote patiently aged so whatever that means we're patient we're aging it they're not really gonna we're not really gonna tell you to focus more on the quality than right just getting a product out so it's a young brand but they like to patiently age their yeah. their, their whiskeys it's young yet patiently aged andy i think it's also the rye especially is an ideal mixer uh, and i should say an ideal whiskey mixer. to mix yeah. it's a great uh, cocktail uh, it's a great bourbon cocktail a uh, cocktail bourbon i should say um you know it's great with old fashions manhattans and that's not just the rye that's the knob creek in general yeah because it's definitely. got that it's got that smooth taste but it's a little stronger so it's gonna you can make it with a mixed drink and still give you a kind of pr- pretty It'll powerful give you kick that, yeah even though it's got you know we got you got some sweet uh, you know some sweetness there with some of these uh these mixed drinks yeah definitely Definitely no, I I definitely agree with you. It's it's one that it's good to eat, uh, drink neat on the rocks or in a mixer. All their products I think really are, and then um, they also have their twelve year old bourbon. Uh, that's I think those are the regular nine year old the rye and their um, twelve year are their three standard ones they offer. The twelve year is also clocking in at hundred proof. Yeah, the twelve year is also at that. And then they have the single barrel select, which is 120 proof. Um, and that one, 
you can only find it select retailers. They'll go down, you know, select select it, their specific barrels that they want, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then it'll be everything will be handled by Knob Creek, Jim Beam, and shipped to them to actually sell. And then they also have their reserve single barrel, um, which is really truly like this is a true single barrel that they do. Again, it's another hundred and twenty proof. Um, offering that they do that Knob Creek specifically suck, selects on their own. Introduced and, back in 2010, I believe. Yeah, 2010, I think. The Reserve Single Barrel? I, I think it was. Like, yeah. all, all these ones except for the maybe... The Reserve was definitely yeah. back in 2010. All, the, all of these except for maybe the Rye and obviously the standard, their standard nine-year-old bourbon were offered within the last seven to ten-ish years, or started. And then they have their Single Barrel Select Rye, which... 115 proof, but exact same thing as what they do with the uh, single barrel select where, you know, specific retailers can go down, select, hand select their own barrel and everything. And Knob Creek and Jim Beam will take care of the rest. And then, like I said, the only other one that's not bottled at at least a hundred proof that they have that I can find at least in the United States and here in Cincinnati is their smoked maple, which is a 90 proof and it's supposed to be a maple flavored bourbon. Yeah. It's a flavored bourbon, a liqueur yeah. liqueur. So it's, it's, it's actually the like, company's first of that, you know, of yeah. that style. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, they're kind of a little bit like, um, wild Turkey in that sense in that wild Turkey like has this whole range of stuff that they do, pretty much all standard bourbons uh maybe offering some higher premium ones and single barrels and everything like that but then they have like one or two flavored bourbons liqueurs that they offer there nice i know uh knob creek in 2001 offered a limited edition uh it was their 2001 it was their 2001 limited edition they actually introduced it in 2016 it was the it was a one-time release and it actually marked the passing of the production process from Booker No to his son Craig. Oh yeah, right. yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, this release yeah. was made uh, from the barrels that Booker actually himself stored in 2001, and they were finished by his son. So they were both involved in that distilling process. There were actually four different batches released in 2016. Uh, it retailed about $130 a bottle. Uh, obviously, a pretty high price tag for a Knob Creek product. Obviously, it had some specialties there uh, infused with that. The bottles were 100 proof, and they were aged for 14 years, which, of course, is five years longer than the original 100 proof yeah. Knob Creek single barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which right, is good. Andy, I think it might just be time. It's, it's that about time. that time it for that us. Time? I, I think it's that time for it's us. It's middle of time, baby. It's Knob Creek time. All right, guys. Yeah. Pour yourself a drink of Knob Creek, and we're going to go ahead and proceed with our tasting. Yeah. All right, so we are going to uh, we're going to you know, pour yourself a glass of Knob Creek if you haven't already. You're a fool, but you, you, hopefully you already have a glass poured. If not, pull one, pour one for yourself. Andy and I have ours poured. We're going to uh, start with the nose, and then we're gonna we're gonna hit the palate and Slowly the finish. Slowly make our way into tasting it. Yeah, so give a give a give it a nice sniff. Getting some oaky caramel here. Yeah, well, yeah, like oaky caramel. Small, small hint of vanilla at the end there. It's going to definitely... Yeah, like a little bit of vanilla, a little not... bit of almost maple can kind of take... Like, I can kind of smell that, but not too much in there. Yeah. It's a... It's a... It's not a smell that really, especially mm. for a hundred proof, it's not a smell that really smacks you in the face. It's really not. No, it's not. It truly is not one that's like... You look at it, obviously, it's hundred proof, but like, 
you kind of almost have to do a double take, I think, because it's like it doesn't come up and smack, yeah. at least smack me in the face like most other hundred plus proofs will do. It does not smell it's nearly not as strong high. as you would think it would would smell. Yeah, we've had bourbons that are not as strong as this one that really do come right at you, uh, uh, you know, from the the nose aspect of this. Yeah. All right, let's do uh, here. Let's do a cheers, sir. Cheers. Oh yes, let's do it. And then uh, let's let's uh, taste the uh, magical elixir here. I gotta be honest. I don't love the taste as much as I do the smell. Yeah, the taste is a little bit more. Um, there's a little bit more of the alcohol there on the taste that I get at least. I, I just feel like the the nose is so deep and rich, and you're not quite getting that in. Like, but that's. I mean, it really is an exceptional nose. So I think it almost the, the taste almost can't live up to it. It's crazy how how great that the, the nose is. Um, and how rich and bold and everything, and, and you're, it's just not the, the taste just isn't quite living up to that. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the, it's still it's a little sweeter and a little a little sweet, bit sweeter. I get a little bit almost. more. I I still get the oak in there and everything, but I taste I, the vanilla yeah, more. I, than I get, I get the smell. Yeah, I get a little bit more vanilla in there on the taste. I also get a little bit of a like a nutty flavor on there to me. I don't know if you get that, but kind of almost like a like a peanut or like a walnut nutty something yeah. like that on it to me it's hard to deny i mean especially that entry level entry level premium you know 100 it's still proof, a good drinker 100 proof it's hard to deny the, the quality it's not one of my favorites i'm not gonna lie but it's again when you're looking at that entry level premium you for can't this go price, wrong for it for this price for this strength for this taste it, it's pretty much as, the, as good as you can get yeah and it's i mean exactly and you know, for as long as young as they are, really, I would say it's one of the most quintessential bourbons out there. Hell yeah! Hell and they, to you the know, yeah, Andy. Jim Beam definitely did a good job building up the brand. Hell, in such yeah. relatively speaking for the bourbon industry, such a short period of time. For sure, yeah. Like I said earlier in the show, it is it the, the <laughs> Jim Beam, the especially the original. It is young yet patiently aged. There's no doubt about it. All right, folks, that's it from us here at uh, Distilled Discussions this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, leave a review, and listen to every episode of Distilled Discussions. Share it with your friends, post it on social media. Uh, go over to the, the, the uh, Axiom News Network Facebook page. We post all the episodes there. And we will have some uh, social media pages for Distilled Discussions coming up in the very near future. I think Andy actually just went on one. Yeah, actually, uh, we have our own Instagram page, uh, Distilled underscore Discussions. Yeah, Distilled Discussions, the username is Distilled underscore Discussions. So you can find us there for sure. We'll probably be launching some more social media pages for it later on. Hopefully sooner rather than later, but it'll be coming. Yep. And we'll announce it to y'all. All righty. It's coming. All right, guys, have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey. And don't worry, America, we'll be here to drink with you next week.